We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's a hum, 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 day. It is a hump day. And your last show with me was last Tuesday. And then yes. you were back on Thursday. So it would be eight days then. That's, that, I believe the mat carried the, the two. two. It checks out. Um, I've said this to everybody in the building, so I, but I haven't said it publicly. I have no idea how to do my job anymore because I actually unplugged. I did the thing you're supposed to do on vacation and between hanging out in the mountains with my beautiful smoke show wife, there was some, uh, tequila involved, which we'll get into. I don't want to give it away right now, but I'm gonna have to remember how to talk into a microphone and how to hold a conversation. It might, it might be a little bumpy ride here. Well, let's see how she goes. You know, you don't want to put a lot of pressure on it. But if this isn't the best show that ever we've ever had, it'll be a real disappointment. We've but got a again, lot to talk about, dude. We've, we've got so many things that have happened since we've been on the air that we didn't see. I feel like Tito Francona giving his State of the Union address to the to the, to the Guardians in spring training. He's like, I got I got the sweats, not sleeping right. I still don't know if is that a real story or is it a bit? Tooth on a, a piece of like cold pasta or something? Is it a because I I heard a little bit of the discussion about it in the morning show. Is it a bit or is it a real thing? I think it's a real thing. I mean, I don't know. Is Zach Meisel in on this thing? I, I feel like it might be an inside baseball he-he-he-he kind of thing. Okay. Which, again, it's a good bit. I think the only problem is that sometimes we forget when we go inside baseball that there have to be enough people around that understand it's inside baseball. Right? Like a show bit. Like it's pretty apparent when we say carry the two. That's Carry the two. Because Nick can't do friggin' oh, math. Tito. Oh, Tito. That's making fun of perverts. So yes. like there are <laughs> there are so many things that are just evident in our inside baseball. And then sometimes you listen to to radio and it's like, and that's the last time I ever wrestle a bear. And it's like, what does that mean? He said that like five times. This is it can't be a bit if nobody knows what the bit is about. My dad once wrestled a bear. Did he win? It was uh, it was for a radio bit. I mm. swear to God. Hmm. So there are stories of my family members wrestling a bear yeah. because now back- they, they put like uh, stuff on his claws, so yeah. could, but he could like wrestle him and like a muzzle too. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so basically it, it was like a, it was like a mm, I'm trying to think of the right way. I'm going to get a text this. from my dad here in a little bit. So I'm sure he's listening. 
And uh, uh, older people of, of our listening audience can attest to this. Back in the day, like one of the seven things that you would do in like 1980 in Medina is you'd be like, all right, we got a bear. Who wants to wrestle the bear? That'd be like a bar's promotion is we're going to show up. If you can wrestle the bear, you win. And nobody ever beat the bear because it's a friggin' bear. Who can beat a bear? Like you can't do that now. Can you imagine if, oh, what's, what's my joint out in uh, Ravenna? Oh, I was what, what joint? Uh, the 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 bar out by literally Dusty next to Armadillo. Yes, can you imagine if they're like? Why do I know that? Come on down, you're gonna wrestle. Come on down to Dusty's Armadillo. Where we got the best bear wrestling you're gonna find, and more bear wrestling that you're gonna find. But can you imagine if we try to do that now? The lawsuits would be through the roof. Can't do that anymore. Even if the bear was just because people would fake it. What what if we just did a station promotion? Wrestle the bear. People signed up, and uh, we just wheel you out in a, and, ca- and in a just, cage. Yep, in like a loincloth. Put you, put, put you in a speedo. Ah! <laughs> Nick just comes out all hairy. <laughs> He's like, ah! See, the, okay, you get the choice of Nick the bear or Smokey the bear, and it's an actual bear. I think most people would choose the actual bear. He's got a speedo on. I'm not I'm not getting anything close to the, I, the I big hair. I don't know one. that I want you, uh, you know, I don't want to be up in your junk. That's fair. That's fair. That's why some people don't do the uh, the amateur wrestling. Is you get real up and personal in it. Would Jake Paul? No, Logan Paul. Would Logan Paul wrestle a bear? Oh, he'd wrestle a bear. Oh yeah, they probably yeah. both would. Probably in front of like a camera. Yeah, and, I'm guessing and put on like his only fans. Yeah, yeah. Wait, are we talking about the same bear? I don't know. So you mentioned the things that happened. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Tito's State of the Union address. If seriously, if anybody knows if that was real or not, or whether that's just a bit. Uh, at Nick Wilson says at Dustin Fox 37 and, uh, oh, by the way, Twitter reactions brought to you by Shivan Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Ding. Um, Kevin Love, no longer a Cavalier. Yeah. Not surprised by that. We talked about that a little bit. You, you uh, left the air, what, Wednesday. And <clears throat> I think we talked about it a lot on Thursday, Friday, but either way, neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, he's a Miami Heat member. So. It's funny because, one, I do get to take a victory lap on this. Because why? Because I had talked about... for it? I, well, I talked about if they don't trade Kevin Love, mm-hmm. I wonder if he would ask for a buyout. And I had um, a Kevin Brown on Twitter telling me I was an idiot, um, which, by the way, is true, but not on that specific thing. And I had several people saying, oh, you're, he's so valuable. And it's like, yeah, but he has to want to be here in the role that they want him here in. And I can I be honest? I have no problem with Kevin being bought out. None. I have a slight bit of a problem with him going to Miami. Because they could face Miami in the playoffs? Yeah. It that one I'm gonna go ahead and say that a guy that's six foot ten, that is still a pretty good rebounder, really nice passer, and can shoot from three. Pat Riley will find a way to get him a role. I, I think most of the NBA would. This happens to be the one place where his lack of defense was going to keep him off the court, uh, amongst other things, productivity as well. But like the fact that he chose Miami, I don't, I don't, I don't think Kevin holds any malice in the heart for for Cavs fans. But have we just seen him go Doctor Jekyll to Mister Hyde about seventy five times? From now he's the face, now he's the heel, now he's the face. Do I think that him staying in the East was a little intentional? Yes. And does it chap my ass a little bit? Yes. Why do you think he remained in the East? I and think, why do you care? Uh, it's Kevin Love. I mean, the guy's averaging like seven points a game. Yeah, but I think Six points I think in the right context, and of which I think Miami is the right context, 
I think he can be a very, very useful player in the thorn in the side of a team like Cleveland, who his ability to shoot the three-point ball in a in that series with all the other shooters they have, I don't want Kevin getting revenge on the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't. Yeah, I just think the odds of that happening are so slim. Slim to none, really. Which part? Him getting revenge or them playing Miami? Well, no, him getting revenge. Okay. Like, the Heat could play the Cavaliers. I still think the Cavaliers could win that series. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I just don't see a, a scenario where, and certainly it's possible. I'm not saying that, I'm not writing it off and saying it can't happen, period. But to see a scenario where Kevin loves the difference maker in a game. He only has to have one game, though, for it to be revenge. Okay. You have well, one, you have the one heat, game. The Heat would have to win the series. And he'd have to make some plays. Okay, that's interesting. Because I think he could still be a thorn in your side and make that series more difficult. Because I still think, like, I still think Kevin's probably one of the, the six or seven best players on any given team in the NBA. I think his limitations hurt you, but if you have the means to to kind of counteract, like, bam, out of bio. If, you, if you're a big that can shoot the three, but you don't play defense all that well, having Bam out of bio behind you is going to be huge. It's And again, it's it's more the idea. And I feel like I'm going to call the shot right now. If Kevin Love and the if it's Cleveland versus Miami in the first round of the series, Kevin Love will be back to being a villain in Cleveland. I don't, think, I don't expect anyone to have a problem with it right now. But it's going to take one K-Love flop, one out of context comment by Kevin who can be a little melodramatic <clears throat> and I and I think people will I, I don't want to say turn on him but they that Kevin would give you reason to turn on him. I'll call that right now. Okay. I'll call my shot. I'll lock it in. Lock it in. And the other big news which was a huge part of the station yesterday was Mike Prefer getting fired. Yep. And and the loss in fairness, the loss of Chris Kevin and uh Jeff Howard and we kind of knew that one was in the offing and uh, obviously Drew Petzing to Arizona. And I think I think we've just gotten to a point with the Browns that any news we're going to automatically think, oh, well, this is now a bad thing about the Browns. I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like the timing of it was absolutely on purpose. I think Kevin Love fired Joe Woods so they could lock in a defensive coordinator because mm-hmm. I think they wanted to hire Jim Schwartz. And then I think Kevin Love, <laughs> Kevin Love, I think I think uh, Kevin Stefanski rather slow played. Any other changes? Because I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Stefanski went to, um, to the guys and said, "Listen, I want to give you time to go find another job, and if you're still here in February, I'm gonna have to have a different conversation with you." And I think that's I think why that's we've fair. seen the exodus. And I, by the way, I think he might have said the same thing with Prefer, who just decided to double down because maybe he wanted that Haslam retirement plan. Uh, the retirement plan from Haslam's not a bad way to go. How can we get that? I want that. Like seriously, like if you and I get fired, it's curtains, right? Like we're, oh, we're, yeah, we don't we're we don't get like a three year la- you know soft balloon landing. No, no, no. No, we'd get like I'm working at Home month. Depot in like a month <laughs> from now. So I, I'll take the Haslam soft landing. Um, but yeah, I didn't when I saw that news came out, and it actually you know it reminded me of it the Sean McVay stuff. Mm-hmm. When, when it was ambiguous on whether Sean McVay was going to go back in L.A., Sean went to all of his staff and was like, hey, guys, go seek jobs elsewhere. Yeah, you try to look out for your boys. You know that you're kind of on the, the chopping block to some degree. And when he came back, the guys who didn't leave, what happened? A fair amount of them got fired. Well, yeah, you gave them an opportunity, and yep. you're, you're like, listen, I have to can you. Uh, I don't want to, yep. but I'm going to give you time. Try to find a gig. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's – I don't know specific to Prefer himself, but I certainly think that's happened with most of the uh, most of the changes we saw on the staff. And by the way, if – like, I don't care whether it was Joe Woods or whether it was half the staff, which roughly seven guys is about one-third of any given NFL coaching staff. Yeah. I don't care. I, I think whether he directly fired them or whether he gave them the out and then just had to fire Mike Prefer – I think the end result is what what is needed. The mix that you had, we've already talked about the mix on the field, but the mix in the coaching staff wasn't working. It was not no. producing desired results. So if the end result is the same, I don't give a damn how it happened or when it happened as long as you land the right coaches. Yeah, I just want things to be better. I want better defense, I want better special teams. Like I, I feel bad these guys are looking for gigs, but I mean they're getting paid and Joe Woods landed on his feet already. And yeah, I'm sure Prefer, if he wants to continue coaching, will land on his feet somewhere at some point. And, you know, if they could score Bubba Ventrone, who was a great player, special teams player for a long time, I'd love to see that. I have a hot take on, on some okay. names. I have some a real hot take. All right. Now that I've said Kevin Love instead of Kevin Stefanski twice, thank you for Robert for pointing that out. And you know when I realized that I had mixed up the Kevins? Is Robert the one who said, are you drinking tequila still? Um, Let me see here. No, no, that's Alan. Okay. But also still very valid question. Anytime, I know that I've messed up saying something. If directly after I'm done saying it, Keith Britton lights up. That's how I know. Oh, damn. Thank God I can't see Keith during the show because I would be so in my mind about every little thing that I say because he'd just be going. Well, Nick gets double dose because he sees every time you do it and he does yeah. it. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. So every time anybody he can't, he perks can't up. Tell. He's like, was that me or was that Dustin? I'm like, I think I just screwed up. A little bit of jumbling here, but it's for good reason. Coming up in just about 20 minutes, Dusty, we got James Karinchek. Uh, Guardians reliever. The wild thing. The wild thing. So we'll pick his brain on his offseason, uh, spring training, all that kind of stuff. We also are, are then going to move Mike Tannenbaum back to 320. So we make sure we have time to, to gonna get both guests in there. So James Karinchek at 240, Mike Tannenbaum at uh, at 320. But can I admit something about the the openings on the, the coaching staff? Sure. This is a safe place. Trust tree with a nest and all that? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um... I can't muster up the energy to overreact to names for things that aren't defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. Like, for instance, uh, when when he got fired, Mike Prefer gets fired yesterday. Immediately. Are you saying you don't care about quarterback coaches and special teams coaches? No, I care. But like, you don't care enough to worry about the names. Well, yeah, but the level of commitment. Like, guys, it doesn't matter if the quarterback coach sucks. If the rest of the coaches around him are great. And conversely, you can have the single greatest quarterback coach in the history of the NFL. If the quarterback's dookie and the offensive coordinator's dookie and the head coach's dookie, you're up, you know, what's creek with without a paddle. You're, like, do- you're dookie. You're dookie. That's just what it is. So, like, when people are like, ah, Ventrone, I'm like, okay. Yeah, I remember he was really fun to watch. But, like, if, if Jim Leonard, like, I would, okay, Jim Leonard, that's a cool story. I like Jim Leonard. Would I have been like, nope, oh, okay, don't have anything to worry about. I don't know. I like what's the appropriate. Well, it's, it's always like when you draft a player too. You feel like you feel, like filled a need mm-hmm. or a void, just because you like on paper have someone there to, you know, fill that that need. But you really haven't filled that need until the production's there, right? Like, are you and I going to be upset if it's Anthony Blevins, the guy who spent the last couple of years as an assistant special teams coach, than than the actual? No. I, and, and listen, I'm telling you right now that most fans of most NFL teams don't know the special teams coordinator's name mm-hmm. unless they stink. That's fair. 
or unless they're like elite of elite, okay. you know, like um, that guy. Who? Oh, no, who John Harbaugh was for a really long time. Yeah. But even then, like some of this is when we're talking assistant coaches, the, the secret that I learned is that most of the times when reporters talk about the coaches, it's because, and specifically on the positive level, it's because they have a positive relationship with that yeah, guy. Yeah, or their agent has a positive relationship with, with the media member, and yeah. they're throwing him a bone by putting a name out there. And by the way, I no no problem with that. But I just, you know, ah, Ray Ventrone is here. And by the way, that's another thing. When did he start going by Bubba? I know that was his nickname as a player. It was always Bubba. Well, but it was always, uh, it was on the thing. It was actually Ray Ventrone. Okay. And now that but he's a coach. a player, he's always been Bubba. I think it was more of a nickname. Now it feels like Bubba, he's Bubba. I think he's Bubba. I mean, like yeah. Booker McFarlane. Well, yeah, but his name, when he played, he was Anthony McFarlane. Everybody's like, oh, there's Booger. It yeah, but now he's Booger back. on TV. Well, yeah, but it wasn't on his, his card. Like Ray Ventrone was Raymond Ventrone on his football card. Okay. Booger said Booger? Yeah. I just oh. feel like the name right. game's a little confused. Like, when did uh, Martin Emerson go from Martin to MJ? I just feel like every I once in a while we get hit know. with the okie doke on the names, and I'm like, guys, I'm trying to keep it all straight. All right, I just had a weekend full of tequila. Give me a damn break. Didn't some NBA player just recently change their name? Yes, but don't ask me who it was. I can't remember either. I know, it's I not saw great. It, I saw it on one of, the, one of the rabbit holes I went down this weekend on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, he changed his name, okay. I do think it's fair to ask when, when we're talking about this, when we're talking about the, the changes, whether this is some sort of indication about Kevin Stefanski's seat being hot. Um, I mean, I kind of feel like when he fired Joe Woods the day after the season ended, mm -hmm. I always kind of felt like that was an indication that Kevin either feels the heat or sees the need to change. But like, just in what I've seen and heard, it sure feels like, Dusty, that people have said, ah, well now it's game to game. He being Kevin Stefanski. I don't know that that's true, or, or, or rather, I don't know it's any more true than the day after he fired Joe Woods, uh, you know, two days after the season ended. Yeah, I, I can see that. No, I do think it makes you wonder, like, if all these guys have ties to Andrew Barry or places Andrew Barry has worked, I do think it, I do think it paints a picture that these guys, maybe more so, understand that Andrew Barry might be here in a year, and Kevin Stefanski might not be. I still don't know how I feel about that. Why not? Because I don't know if they're a package deal. I don't think they should be. Like, Andrew Barry, I think, is an adequate GM to this point. I think, his, I think the way people have talked about his drafts are completely overblown. They act like the guy has drafted only slappies. I can show you. Like, Phil Savage is a guy I actually thought was a decent GM. He just, the personal skills kind of, I think, hurt him in the end. But, like, I think Andrew's done a better job drafting. And, by the way, most of the time, Phil Savage is drafting in the top 15. Most of the time, Andrew has not been drafting in the top 15 or hasn't had a first-round pick. So, I look at Kevin, and I look at the, the things that I think we should all judge a head coach on, which are in-game, not great, Bob, and culture, also not great, Bob. So I think to this point, I think Kevin Stefanski is much more fireable than Andrew Barry is, even though I think they should both be safe. Well, I mean, it's more tangible with Stefanski, right? Or you can see it, mm -hmm. you know, like 
every game we can see if Deshaun Watson gets better or if the offense takes steps forward and all these things. With Barry, it's behind the scenes and we talk like the roster. Do they have good players? And they've had good players and they do have good players. Mm -hmm. But just having good players isn't always the reason to have success. I mean, because you got to fit the pieces to the puzzle. You got to have the right culture in the locker room. Like all these things matter. I think I did. You know what? Let me just agree with you first. I think it's way harder to know if a GM's good than if a head coach is good. And yeah. Actually, maybe this is the better way of putting it. I think it's much harder to know if a GM is great than if a head coach is great. Because a great head coach is going to consistently win no matter what. Jim Harbaugh, for everything everybody said, all that dude has done is won and won at a consistent high level, even if eight wins a season for the first couple of years in Michigan wasn't enough. But the dude went four for four in San Francisco in, in the NFL. But the GM position is a lot more subtle. I just think, and I think I made this point before, if all these hirings and firings in the coaching staff, this is proof that maybe Andrew Barry has a more pronounced position and maybe a little bit more stable footing going forward. I have to be okay with that because – I don't trust, and I, I don't mean this in like a negative way. Jimmy's untrustworthy. I don't, but in terms of his hiring. Do you I, think that Barry went to Stefanski or Haslam's went to Stefanski and said, listen, you got to make some changes here? Or do you think it was Stefanski looking himself in the mirror and saying, you know what? I know what we need to be better at, and I've got to make these moves, unfortunately. I don't know. My hope is that Kevin Stefanski, that when they met, Kevin was like, okay, here's where I think my coaching staff has failed, and here's what I think we should do. What do you guys think? That's my hope. Because that tells me that Kevin Stefanski is in control of himself, that he understands he's being self-aware and dealing with the problem points, whether it's on the coaching staff or everything else. Mm -hmm. But seeing as how reticent Kevin was to make any moves, I don't know. I And, and seeing as how I already doubt him as a leader, like that Jadavian Clowney stuff, should have never happened. The year before, uh, the Odell Beckham Jr. stuff and Baker Mayfield stuff should have never happened. I don't need my guy to be a Tommy Toughass to to avoid stuff like that. You just have to have a consistent dialogue in the locker room. You have to know the pulse of the locker room. You have to know where the friction points are. And I don't know. What? I just thought of something really funny I can't say on the air. I'll tell you during the break. You want to text me it? Now, see, now it's too inside baseball. But, yeah, I, I doubt Kevin as a leader, so naturally I'm a little bit more inclined to feel like maybe the Browns went to him instead of him going to the Browns and saying, hey, what, these are the changes. What do you think? What do you think? I was just texting you not paying attention to what you just said. <laughs> do Sorry. you think it's more likely that these staff changes? And maybe – Maybe it's these last staff changes or just in totality. Mm -hmm. I think it's more likely those are Kevin's decisions. I think they're more likely management decisions. Why? Because I don't think Stefanski, he's such a nice guy. Like, I don't think he wants to ever fire anybody. Which is, I, I don't mean this in a bad way. You can be nice and understand when people aren't doing their jobs. Like one of the most frustrating things that that I had heard, the reasons why Joe Woods didn't lose his job earlier, and I I agreed with Terry Pluto who said it at the time. I agreed with everybody else who the reasoning behind firing Joe Woods wasn't just that everybody gets their pound of flesh. The reasoning was 
you get another look at whether it's the coaches or the players. Mm -hmm. And is there a chance that the defense still would have sucked? Yes. Yep. Yep. But then you can say, all right, that's equal parts players and coaching. But the thing that frustrated me was this, well, they don't have a defensive coordinator on the staff. Oh, well, they don't feel, but you don't know. You don't know that you don't have, that's the, that's one of the most insane things you learn about working with people is you don't know until you go through the fire with those people. You can look at somebody, I can look at somebody, one of the, one of the many great part-timers we have, oh, he'll never be a host. Until that kid works, until that kid gets, actually gets behind the microphone yeah. or gets in front of a team, like and, you don't and, know. And not as a update anchor, as a host doing the job, you don't know. It's presumptuous to think that you would know. So again, I actually, I want to go back on this because I may have, I don't want my message to be lost here. I think it's a good thing, whether uh, no matter who made the decision, I think this level of change was needed on the staff. And if Kevin said, all right, I'm going to fire Joe because I need to lock in the defensive coordinator now, right. and I'm going to let all the other coaches kind of play it out, and if they get other jobs, cool. If not, I'm going to fire them. And then everybody but Prefer got another job. The only downside to that is, why didn't you act sooner? Why didn't you act a little bit more aggressively if you knew this was going into a, a make-or-break year for you? Because that... The, the the sense of urgency, sometimes these guys I, I just believe feel like, owners. When the owners say, yeah. oh, you're, you're good. You're, you're good. safe. You're you, safe. You're yeah, fine. That means nothing. Don't trust anybody in the NFL. Yeah, I also feel like that's kind of accurate to but, not trust anybody in the NFL. You have to act like you're always six games away from being fired. Yeah. And you got to have way, that Dan Campbell mentality. You, sh you should do that whether you're six games away from getting fired or whether you're Mike Tomlin. Because it doesn't take a lot to go from Mike Tomlin to being fired. Guardians reliever James Karinchek on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. James, welcome to the show, man. Hi, how you guys doing? Doing all right, buddy. Good, man. Uh, listen, it's great to have you. We're very excited. But I got to know, because I, I'm, a, I'm a baseball fan. I would I would put myself up there with the biggest baseball fans at the, the station. But I just don't feel like baseball's really back until I get to see regular season action. For a man that's got to live it the way you do, is baseball back even though we're, what, two weeks into spring training? I would say baseball is officially back uh, Saturday when we have our first uh, official spring training game. I'm going to write that one down because it's a really good yeah. – that's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, I mean, that's pretty, I mean we're having a game. Everybody's flying. I think that's when baseball's back. All right, now we. I just did my Tito for you. Uh, every time we have a Guardians player on, we like to see if they have a, a Tito impression. So, like for us, we we'll say breaking ball. Uh, we'll do uh, a pretty good uh, Millsy. So, do you Borny. have yeah, Borny? <laughs> do you really any name? Just just slap add, a, y add a Y on, y on, you on it. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> do you have a Tito impression for us? I really don't. I'm not that great at impressions, to be honest. So I don't want. I mean, you guys are really good. Like the way you guys. Like pronunciate kind of sounds just like him. I'll, I'll have that in me. You know what? I appreciate but, uh, the uh, the self awareness there. What was yeah, this I, Tito speech gaff thing real? Uh, I didn't ask. I saw that article that came out. Yeah, though, and uh, I don't know, but I feel like it. I mean, to me, I, I can I have no idea. But like the speech he gives every year is incredible. And the speech he gave a day ago, two days ago, was excellent as he always does. So I, mean, I don't know how nervous he was then, but. Maybe. 
So I keep jumping over you there, buddy. I'm sorry. It's my first day back off vacation, so I'm a little antsy in my pantsy here. Um, <laughs> so I got to ask you, like, because everybody talks about the State of the Union address that Tito does. What was the gist of it? What What is the the goal of his uh, his State of the Union uh, conversation with you guys every year? Uh, it's pretty much getting all the players on the same page, uh, introducing faces to people that haven't been in our organization, and you know, talking about our team culture and how we're going to go about the season and do the best we can, pretty much. Does he curse at all? Ah, uh, no. Nah. Not that one. <laughs> Not that one. Not that's that one. that's okay. good, yeah. Uh, James Karinchek on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. So um, I, I did I, actually before, because I was going to ask about the, the, the changes on the staff there, I did actually want to ask you, does anything make you as nervous as Tito was purported to be heading into the State of the Union address? Does anyone make does anything make me as nervous as that? Yeah, whether it's pitching in a big game, public speaking, anything. Uh, thanks, man. <clears throat> uh, probably drawing blood. We had uh, our what's called that the other day. I hate Doing, that like, all too. The stuff. I hate drawing blood, so like that that gets me pretty nervous. Man. James, let's get to the staff changes here, buddy. Um, we obviously changed out bullpen coaches, uh, and for good reason. Promotions are always nice. It's good to see guys move on. How big of an impact do you think that is for you guys in the bullpen adjusting to having somebody new back there? Uh, first of all, I got to say, uh, Sweeney was an absolute excellent person, one of the best guys I came across. So uh, we replaced him with a, another excellent person, uh, Rigo Beltron. So uh, I think it's going to be a almost seamless adjustment because we kind of have uh, similar faces come back in the bullpen. Like, you know what I mean? Like we have, I think all our bullpens pretty much returning. So, so I think our culture is there is kind of not like perfectly set but like we like know each other we have a good repertoire with each other and uh Rigo I think is a perfect fit but so, again Brian Sweeney awesome so we obviously fans have an opinion or an idea of what pitching coaches do um in terms of like a, a bullpen coach's responsibility like how different from from you know the pitching coach the bullpen coach are those responsibilities uh, I'd say the bullpen coach is kind of more just, uh, I mean, I don't know everything about it, but they, uh, like ours at least, like we get a, I mean, they do the scout reports before the games. Like they do a whole bunch. I mean, like Sweeney at least from what I remember, uh, like every year, last year, like you get the scouting report before the games. They do a whole bunch of, like, <clears throat> do a whole bunch of research on the hitters before every series and, uh, give a great scouting report where to throw pitches, et cetera. And then, obviously, when Tito would make the call down to the bullpen or Carl would make the call down to the bullpen, he'd uh, answer that phone call, and then he'd give us the most confidence and get us ready to pitch. James, obviously, uh, the number 99 in Cleveland is uh, synonymous with uh, Major League, the movie, of course. How did you pick 99? Uh, I tried to get number 99 in Lake County, but they didn't make numbers that high. So, uh, once I got to the big leagues, I, I wanted to wear number 99, and... Uh, was there a reason why did you did you like that number growing up i think it looks like i think it looks thick on the back of a jersey okay i got it okay james karen guardians reliever on the north Olmsted chrysler jeep dodge ram hotline this does beg the question because i don't know if you know this the movie major league in cleveland for a very long time was the best thing about cleveland baseball for a minute or two before those mid-90s uh indians teams so did you like major league growing up 
Uh, I didn't watch it that much. Honestly, I didn't really watch it growing up. I, the first time I probably watched it was probably like later in my teen years. So I can't say I was the biggest fan of that movie, being from New York. But uh, now that I'm a Clevelander, I guess, I would say I enjoy it. Is there a baseball movie that is closest to the real mm. thing? Like closest to what it's like to either play in the minors or majors? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, what's it? Bull Durham, I guess, is... I mean, still, though, it's still not really that realistic, I would say. I mean, I wouldn't say there's really one that's that synonymous with the day-to-day of a minor league or major league life, to be honest. Bull Durham is my favorite baseball movie. I'm, I'm just uh, glad field, you said Field that. of Dreams here, sorry. Oh, come on. It's not realistic, but it's great. So as a as a baseball player, do you love baseball movies? Or uh, since you actually can play the sport better than Dustin and I can, <laughs> is it just like another movie? No, I do love them, but I like the like the little little kids one more. Like the best formers in the Sandlot, I enjoy more than like the like the major league and stuff like that. All right, that's going to be the headline to this one, just so we can get some traction. <laughs> bench warmers is better than uh, let's Bull Durham or which one should we go with? I've never seen bench warmers. I like, I like, uh, to be honest, Sandlot's great. Oh, Sandlot oh, is a pretty classic. classic. Okay. That is. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're kind of aging ourselves over here because that was like when I was eight when that movie came out. James Karinchek on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. So we've pretty much done everything we could to avoid actually talking about uh, heading into training camp, our spring training, and obviously the regular season coming off last year. What did you feel, James, was like the thing you wanted to work on, or something you know, something you felt like you could get better at going into this year? Uh, I think with me, it's always just, uh, consistency. So just being consistent in the zone. Limited walks and uh, attacking guys the best I can. What's the key to that for you? Uh, just probably consistent delivery. Not trying to overdo anything. Simplifying everything. I gotta say, because uh, so uh, my fastball tops out at about fifty-seven miles an hour, and I feel comfortable sharing this in this setting with you. Um, I have no idea how you don't just lean back and try and throw it 97,000 miles an hour every time because every time I get in front of a radar, I'm like, let me show everybody around here what a 57-mile-an-hour fastball looks like. Yeah, no, uh, definitely, like, that's definitely tempting to try to throw as hard as you can. But usually when you try to, I mean, for me at least, when I try to throw as hard as I can, it's usually not as quality or, honestly, not as hard as you can either. It's like when you're, like, a little, like, looser and, Freer, usually throw harder. James Karinchek on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. All right, uh, let me just ask you: What was so special? Like we, we, you know, we've heard everybody talk about this, but last year was such a great story of of being a team where, and you know, we saw the tweets from the the Guardians um, Twitter account of people picking them, picking you guys fifth place or fourth place last year. What what made last year possible? I think it's the team chemistry. Like, uh, everybody loved being around each other, and I think that showed when we, when we played. Like, we played so hard, and I don't know. Like, no one wanted to leave the clubhouse after games. It's just like, it was just such a fun atmosphere. And again, the camaraderie makes, I think, made it all possible. And, like, we love playing the game with each other. James, it's great to, to kind of catch up with you, bud. Good luck this season. Stay healthy, and we can't wait to see what the team does. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.